Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, and today we have Shonda Louise Otten, who's here as an entrepreneur, a doer, a mover and shaker, and she's going to be telling us all about her stories and her adventures and misadventures. So Shonda, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what brought you to this point? So your journey from like where it all started. Chanda, Chanda Panda. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Chanda Panda. <laughs> no, you're good. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. So um, I guess I could start with, um, where did my journey start? I've been doing entrepreneurship, but not really thinking it's entrepreneurship since I was like a teenager. So as a teenager, and I think even probably I, I hustled a lot. <laughs> so I, <laughs> it's a weird thing to, it's, it's not weird to say, but um, I came from a, African family and typically our focus is on getting an education and then getting a nine to five type of job but then also with that being said family members also did other things you know so my mom was really into or still is into fashion so she would always get into a lot of different things so one time she sold Amway which is not fashion she sold Mary Kay she sold Avon um, <laughs> another time she sold like Vivinette which was like a security thing <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if she ever did Prime America, but growing up, my mom was dipping and dabbling in a lot of different things to sustain some type of additional income. I'm so sorry. I'm like in my car. So no I saw problem. her do that. Um, on the other end, my dad, he always had a full time job similar to my mom, but then he started his own online magazine. So he mm. ran that magazine. Um, I don't know, five, six years. It was called The African. And um, I, I saw him do that. My grandmother, she was a teacher. Both my grandmothers, actually, on both ends were teachers or in the education space. And they also still did other things. So like one of them sewed. Um, she was part of the Girl Guide groups. Um, my other grandmother has a store. So the store mm. is called Calabar Imports. And there we sell things typically from like different African areas and then also um, Asian communities and such and such. So I've always been immersed within a family that has done something additional outside of just your nine to five. But the primary focus has always been get yourself a good job. So mm -hmm. that I think um, mindset wise, I, I saw people doing different things and kind of like hustling. So that got me into that mindset of doing different things. So that's my start. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And so, you know, seeing that, right, what were they trying to see? And you were mentioning like they wanted you to get like a nine to five. Were they just like really strict about that? Or were they like open to the idea of you doing multiple things? Or was it more of like a need for them to do multiple things versus them trying to focus you on just like doing the one thing of like the nine to five okay. disability? So I. I would say that um, it's kind of a combination of both. My parents never mm -hmm. raised me to feel like I had to do a specific type of career or field, but mm -hmm. um, it's just something I think culturally I naturally just incline to because it, <laughs> it seems like African families, immigrant families typically lean towards doing the STEM disciplines. 
you know, and mm-hmm. then I had a natural inclination from that. And most of my family members also had that. So I had the path to go just based on what I saw, but it's not something that my parents really like, um, they, they pushed on me and said, you have to be this specifically in order to survive. But I, like I said, I did see them doing the nine to five. And also along with that, I saw my mom doing multiple jobs outside of just like, she'll do her regular nine to five and then have like another nine to five. That's like a, a 10 or midnight to like seven, <laughs> you know, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. So, um, I kind of feel like I was conditioned in that respect because of what I saw and the atmosphere that I was in. And I looked at those extra side hustle things mm. more as hobbies and more as things to do additionally, but I, I never really actually perceived it as let me go and venture onto my own path. Um, and I don't think like my family, they didn't discourage, but they also didn't necessarily push me into it. Nice. Thank you. And I just want to highlight something that you just said, right? Hobbies. Um, and what's it called? I recently saw like a Twitter thread where that was saying, you know, what is, you know, who has hobbies, right? Millennials don't have hobbies. And it's because of that, because of like the idea that even though a lot of our parents or, you know, the older generations, they had hobbies that mm-hmm. hobbies sometimes did make, you know, bring in money or brought in some other resource. And so it's like now, you know, side hustles have replaced our hobbies because yeah. like we want to not that we want to do hobbies all the time but it's like we are really passionate about doing work that we love because it's like we'd see our parents you know mm. go to like this nine to five maybe they liked it and some parents actually just hated it and then it's like then they spent the time on the hobby as a release but that's where their passion lies so now we're kind of shifting the e- economy to say I don't want to spend you know, eight hours out of my 24 hours focused Uh, on doing this nine to five. I want to spend that time, you know, doing the hobby, doing the passion, but also making money because I know I need to survive. So like, how do you, like, what's your take on that? Like, what's your take on like that experience? I a hundred percent agree. So I have to be honest, you know, um, what I saw growing up, I saw my mom working a lot. I did. I saw her working a lot and barely had time to spend with us. She had big dreams and a big vision. She always did. Um, And her way of making those things happen was to work hard to get the money. So essentially equating money with time. Mm. Right. And then that's what came to my, to, to my mindset. And, you know, growing up, we didn't get the opportunity. Like we did have different types of opportunities. I would say we won't. But it, it wasn't as extensive, I think, as like what my mom, per se, would have experienced. So her growing up, she grew up back home and it was a different lifestyle. So she, for instance, swam. She like swam on the country's Olympic team. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, she did different things. She did ballet. So she had a more well-rounded life where it was more social. And then living in America, it really is more focused on just work, 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 yep. work. And... <laughs> I think I got to a point when I actually got into the workforce because I had seen TV. I'll be honest. I was also conditioned by TV as well. I'd watch TV and I thought in my mindset that getting a corporate job, getting a 401k and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And you'd make all this money and now you'd be able to live this like great lifestyle. And when I actually got into the workforce, I realized um, how much of an illusion that was, you know, um, I really did. And just to kind of fast forward to what actually got me into my entrepreneurship journey um, full time is I wound up just working for about eight to 10 years in the corporate world in different industries. And I always um, went through the same type of things. So meaning I wouldn't be able to see myself pushing forward or um, 
being promoted as I would have liked to. I wasn't seeing the money equivalent. Even when I was seeing the money equivalent, I just started to feel like a slave. I was to put it. Um, I was putting in a lot of hours, 50, 60 hours sometimes, and I wasn't seeing a return on it. And I was seeing that I was being used more as like a, a tool or a, a piece or a component of like a manufacturing chain, mm. so to speak. So you have this, this, this manufacturing factory, and that's not where it works, just the, <laughs> like a visual. And, and I'm a component of it. So go here, drip. This person does this, drip, drip, drip. And that's what I saw my role functionally being. And it wasn't dynamic. And I was being worked out like 50, 60 hours. And I had seen my mom do the same thing, you know, work those one, two, three jobs and then complain about the same things that I was seeing. And I just got to a point where I started to realize that how I perceived myself Mm -hmm. was different from the reality of who I was. Mm. And I think one of those, like the easiest one to talk about is physically what I looked like, you know? In my mind, you know, I'm gorgeous. Yeah, okay. But I also saw that I was fit and my body looked like this. And then I started to actually look at the reality when I took a step back and I wasn't so caught up with just being busy. I started to really assess and say, whoa, (laughs) girl, like what you think you look like and, and how you're coming across is completely different from what's in your head. You know, so I started to realize that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to just see my life go by And it just be about work and money. I have to make, you know, it just, it wasn't fulfilling enough and I wasn't living the life that I wanted. And that's not the end that I wanted for myself. So I actually wanted um, purpose and fulfillment and to enjoy life. And I, you know what I'm saying? Like to actually really truly live it. And I realized that um, the way we're living and the way I was working and also conditioned from what I saw with my parents they weren't living a quality life, at least what, what the type of life I wanted to live. So I decided to leave my corporate role. And I said, let me give this a shot. Let me try it on my own, <laughs> which is something. And that's an experience on its own. So yeah, I definitely agree in terms of following um, or millennials, the mindset being more about, let me focus on what's my passion and also turn that into revenue as opposed to indebting my time eight hours of that time to somebody else's dream and somebody else's machine. Let me better utilize that time for myself. Mm. So I, I am completely in alignment with that. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, just like figuring out what you want, which, which takes a lot of time and it's a long journey because, you know, there we've seen like the way the economy is moving and like things that are going on, there is no true thing as stability. And I think entrepreneurs have been like handling like the, the shakes a little bit better because we were like, Oh, we're used to this. Like, and folks that are in, you know, full-time jobs, I'm, you know, there's nothing at all wrong with the full-time job because I do want to have full-time employees working at my company and different things. And everyone kind of yeah. has like a role in that ecosystem, but just recognizing that, the economy is not as flat. Whether you are an owner or working yeah. for somebody, you have to remember that things can hit the fan at any point. And just like, how do you how do you respond to that, right? What is your savings like? What is your mindset like? Do you you know do you? And um, I was on a person's podcast a couple oh wow this time last year called the Portfolio Career Podcast, and that's when he it exposed me to the idea of portfolio career, where it's not like just this flat career that you're doing. You know, you get a job and you're there thirty years. It's like a portfolio where it's like different. Um, you know, sometimes you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you're working for somebody, sometimes you're doing this, sometimes you're doing that, you dabble in ed tech, you dabble in finance, you're just like, it's a journey. And it's like this, you know, like, um, 
the heartbeat it's up it's down it's up it's down and it's like once everyone is conscious of that the owners yeah. it's true mm-hmm. it's ebbs and flows so once everyone is conscious of that whether you're an owner an employee a business person a mm. team member it makes everything then more under like it's easier because like oh we're expect like we know that it's gonna get crazy so when it does get crazy we're not gonna like oh, what's happening i don't know what to do so that's really like an important thing yeah yeah you know what you're a hundred that's 100 percent. you're right i'm i agree <laughs> i completely agree i was gonna give you an example so um one thing that i started to do as a side hustle during entrepreneurship because i was not making any money it's, it's, it's been hard um so i took on a part-time role as an adjunct professor which is crazy and it's a blessing i have to be honest because you know, who would be able to say, you know what, things aren't really working on entrepreneurship. I don't like the corporate life, but I have an option to go into academia and teach, you know? So that was was a blessing for me. So in that setting, I work with a lot of students who, um, I teach math. So some students really like math and some are frightened of math. (laughs) Like they are so frightened that they don't even want to start, you know, like I'll ask a question and like, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know. And I'm just like, okay, this is crazy. You, you have to like, you have to fix your mindset. So a lot of my classes, um, even before the math is about getting my students to become more independent as opposed to relying on me as a teacher, you know, and it, it's like it, I have to condition or help them condition their minds or uncondition their minds of feeling like they have to lean on someone to move forward. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, yes, I'm the professor and I'm teaching you this math, but you can actually take your textbook and you can read ahead and start practicing some of these problems. It might be confusing. You might not know what's going on, but write the questions that you have along the way and then let's address it so we can push you forward. Like, my, my strategy as an adjunct professor or as a professor is to help people become independent. Like, you know, you give a horse water, yeah. but if you teach them how to drink, you know what I mean? Like our fish, we know. <laughs> you, teach, you teach someone how to fish, you know, you know, and they're, they're good for it. Like, like they, they feed a whole village, you know, and I, that's my mentality. I'm all about teaching a person how to fish as opposed to giving them a fish. And I feel like it's the same concept that we can transcend onto the economic, to economics and jobs and stuff like that. It's like, even when you are in a corporate life, are you waiting for someone to come and give you something to do? Or are you taking the initiative to create your own opportunities? You know what I mean? And it's like a lot of people kind of fall into one or two places sometimes where either they're looking for someone to follow and lead them or they're looking to lead and push themselves forward. So um, I definitely agree with you in that sentiment. Like I, I see that a lot with students. The, the ones that I think are the most successful are the ones that learn to become independent and understand that it's okay if you're wrong or you don't get it right. But what's more important is that you have a vision mm-hmm. and you persist. And you don't need anybody else to tell you you're going to do it. Like you can encourage yourself. So, okay. <laughs> this is I think. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is, that is definitely like a thousand percent, the truth, a thousand percent, the key. And that's the core of it all. So now I want to start talking about, you know, once 
where like you don't have to say the name but like where were you working right before you decided to go into like full-time entrepreneurship and like what was your first company that you like official company that you decided to launch and like why like what was behind that sure okay so um i was working at united health group um optum so um i was doing consulting so i was traveling um from a couple of states so i was working in the healthcare state exchange so you know how we now have um the health exchange that you can go to and you can elect your benefits. So each state has its oh, own like state exchange. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the marketplace. So I was working with the state of Massachusetts and also the state of Vermont. So I would travel there. At some point it became weekly. I like to travel. So it, initially it was a lot of fun. Um, but after a while, I just felt drained, you know, because all I was doing was working. Like I said, <laughs> you know, I, and my schedule was travel out like Sunday night or Monday morning, and then come back Thursday night or sometimes Friday morning. So I really just have Saturday to myself at home to get myself sorted. So that was tough. Um, outside of that, the work itself, you know, um, we were, we had a corporate restructure. We actually had like three or four corporate restructures within a six month period. Wow. So um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it was a really, it was, it was a lot going on. And during that time period, um, our project that we were working with, uh, we went through like an kind of a restructuring on itself. So they brought a stabilization team on. So when they brought a stabilization team on to the project, what happened was the stabilization team usually comes in, they assess what's going on, and then they make recommendations and then they make changes, right? <laughs> so because of that whole switch, what wound up happening is I got the opportunity to work with a really great manager, a vice president. And um, within like a six month period, she just shifted how I thought and how I worked and what I thought about myself and how um, I showed up in the world, to be transparent. Um, she, the first thing she told me when we met is just like, why don't you do your PMP? You know, like, what are you waiting on? And at that point, I had had like three or four years of project management experience, but I thought I was just like kind of, I, I don't know, I was dragging my feet and I didn't feel like I was adequate at that point. And I, you know, I didn't know what the test was like. So she encouraged me and I just said, okay, fine. I took the exam, first time passed, <laughs> had no issue, which is crazy. And it's ironic because she herself was surprised. And I'm like, <laughs> you told me to do this. <laughs> you told me to do this. So um, that was another thing. Another thing that she gave me, which was great advice is like, you know, she goes, you know, Chanda, when you're presenting yourself, you present yourself a bit sheepish, like, you know, kind of meek. And she was just like, she wasn't saying that you need to be strong and oh, this, but it was like, you should be more assertive. Like you should be confident in what you're saying. And she's just like, there's like a reluctance in you. And to be honest, it was a conditioning because of my previous managers. My interaction with them is like, I would say something and then I would get shut down. So it was more like a follow the leader type of thing. But instead she was molding me to be more of a leader. And because she gave me that liberty or that freedom or just like, um, helped me see it. I then started to take the initiative on my own. I started to push forward. I started to push forward with my ideas. I felt more confident and I was moving forward. But then we had another corporate restructure. <laughs> so we have another uh, corporate restructure and now she's no longer my manager. We're not even in the same line of business. And now I'm back to something that's similar to the previous structure. 
But it's kind of like after you've given somebody some fine wine, how do you go back yeah, to like some cheap beer? I don't want to out. You better give me the high I class stuff. Hello. Right. Right. And it was just like, I just started thinking differently. So now I could, and even with the thinking, like with the thinking, it's not even just a mindset of, oh man, I'm great, but it's a mindset of understanding business. So I started to look and say, okay, what's the type of role and what are the tasks that I'm getting? And I looked at the tasks and I said, these tasks that I'm getting are administrative. There are a lot of administrative, so I'm super busy, but, but it's administrative nonetheless. So I've been in this particular role for about two years and I'm doing this administrative task. How can I validate at the end of this year that I deserve a promotion to the next level if the only work I'm doing is administrative? But I hadn't thought that way before. You know what I mean? So I started to look at it and I was just like, uh, they're comfortable with me being in this position. Advocate and, for yourself. Right. Right. And I had to be honest with myself, like, okay, Shanda, so you know what? This isn't for you because at the end of this year, you're not going to be able to validate that you've done enough work or analytic work to take it to the next level. And they're not creating the opportunities for you to do it either. And you're trying. So I, I, at that point, I just said, you know what? I, I have to, it's time for me to go. So I put in my letter of resignation and it was funny because they were leveraging me for a lot. I was like the senior level person at that point. And uh, when I put in my submission, they didn't come back to me until the last day in which I was supposed to be working there. And at that point, they were like, can we talk about this? Like, you know, hey. <laughs> no, <we laughs> right. <can't. laughs> so I, I mean, that's what I, I felt. But they were just like, we can work something out. I mean, what is it that you need? And I'm like, well, I mean, of course, exposure, I need to be, they're like, okay, we can give you some mentoring, we can give you such and such. And, you know, like, I felt bad. And I started to think, okay, you know what, maybe I should go ahead and give it a shot. I considered going back. And I actually said yes, even though my gut, I didn't want to, because I wasn't gaining anything from going back. I wasn't gaining additional money. I just was essentially staying because they didn't have anybody else. And um, I'm being honest. So what happened was when I said yes, um, one of the coworkers that I was working with calls me immediately. He's like, hey, Chanda, I'm like, hey. And he was really, okay, I need you to do X, Y, Z, 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 Z. Here you go. And then when I thought about it, I said, what am I doing? And I said, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. <laughs> I was like. Yeah, yeah, kicked me back into my senses real quick. Nope. I can't do this. So at that point, I quit, quit. And I said, I'm done, guys. And I left. And, you know, it actually took me a few months to decompress and just like get, um, I just mentally write. <laughs> that sounds crazy. But I felt so like, um, I don't know, kind of a little just, I don't want to say abused, you know, but I, I mentally felt drained. And I, I felt like I needed to really just take some time doing nothing and just getting, I traveled, um, I met with some friends, I, I just, I shifted gears and just to completely dialed back. And that's, that experience was pretty much what led me to that point of saying, you know what, let's start my own thing. And I feel like, to be honest, it's because of the empowerment of that manager that I had, because she, she really encouraged me and saw, showed me the value in me. 
And within that six months, I had grown so much in how I saw business and what I could do and my understanding um, high level of what was going on and big picture and the connecting the dots. Love that. You never know who you're going to come across. So that's amazing that she was able to do that. So now, you know, tell me a little bit about your business. And then right after that, we're going to talk about your misadventures. So tell me a little bit about your business. What did you end up starting once, you know, you kind of decompressed Now you have to get back out there? Okay. First thing I started was a coaching business, which is interesting because I was doing a lot of coaching for my coworkers um, unofficially. So I, I just thought, okay, you know what? And by the coaching, it was like they would reach out to me and they would ask, ask for advice based on things that were going on at work. Hey, Chanda, um, I have this dynamic with this manager or VP and she's asking me to do this, but she kind of has an attitude, you know, what's going on? What can I do? So I would coach them through how they could strategically improve that behavior and improve their image within the company. Uh, so I decided, you know what, let me continue to do that. So I started to do that. I started the business. It was Chanda Louisa Tone Consulting, which it still is. And I started, um, coaching people. <laughs> and my focus, to be honest, was, um, was actually more so more from a personal perspective. And it was actually geared towards people who were 30 and up. And the idea behind my, my coaching was to show people that they could have a second chance. Wow. Love that. A second chance at life. Um, the core concept behind that is I was married. Marriage didn't work out. And um, I basically had to start over. And because I had to start over, you know, um, I went through so many different things. I went through different things of interacting with friends and family and kind of seeing how I was received. I went through different things of feeling like I was the victim. Um, I went through different stages where I, you know, financially made it, quote unquote, right? And I was accomplishing all the things that I hadn't when I was not married or when I was married and now I had accomplished it and I still wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, money doesn't do it all. Yep, it don't. So, um, I realized that there's kind of a huge stigma, especially for sometimes people that are th over 30, where you've made a mistake and things didn't pan out the way you intended it to. And because you've made that mistake and for some reason you're over 30, that means that your chance is over. It's now time to let the next generation come through and live their life. And I actually even kind of had someone say those type of things to me <laughs> in different ways. And I just felt like, you know what, this is really crazy that because you make a mistake in your 20s, that you're not allowed to still prosper and shine and you should be living a dimmed version of your life moving forward. So that was the first business that I started. And doing it, it was hard because I didn't have any type of... Um, formalized training. I was really freestyling. <laughs> and I didn't, I, um, I didn't have boundaries. So, and then I also didn't understand how to create a pay structure. What does this mean? And then I didn't know how to, like with the boundaries, how to say, you know what? It sounds to me like you're coming to me like a friend, but you're really getting coaching. Yep. You know? yep. Like, oh, just a quick question. You know I mean? No, here's yeah. my invoice. And then I'll answer the question. If I think it was just a friend right. question, I'll refund you. That's fine. <laughs> no, you know what? But it's true. So it was a lot of different dynamics of that. And those are the things that I have been working through, you know. Um, then, so at some point, I just got overwhelmed. I mean, I got overwhelmed and I got drained. I got drained 
And then I also got drained emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Because I was doing, what I noticed is I was giving out a lot of my time. So my time was booked, but I wasn't receiving compensation for that time. So um, I needed to start to understand how to better position myself so that I could um, reallocate my time and also take better account of my time and not just give away my time, put a value to my time. So that was the first business. (laughs) Within that first business, as well as like, you know, the current business and whatever else you've started, you know, out of all this entrepreneurial journey, what do you think is one of your biggest entrepreneurial misadventures that you've experienced? It sounds like you've already shared like a few, just even figuring that part out, right? Right. Um, So the biggest. Um, or just one that is like really stands out. It doesn't have to be like the biggest. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that um, one of them would be, would be what? Ugh, sheesh. <laughs> it, it, it would just be, oh, create a website. <laughs> create a website. <laughs> so I started with Upwork, right? And I looked for someone and I had this whole vision in my head of what I want this website to look like. I'm not a coder and I don't want to be a coder. So, you know, I have all my pictures. I have my designs of what I think or just pictures. And I give it, I, I go ahead and contract someone at Upwork and I'm reaching out. I pay the amount and they're like unresponsive for the most part, you know, and they're only responsive until like maybe the, the day in which they're supposed to deliver. And in my mind, I was like, I wanted a collaborative event. I wanted to be able to see what you're doing, to see the revisions. And it looked completely just not like what I wanted. So I wound up saying, you know what? This is not what I want. And they refunded me my money. So I reached out to somebody else and I hired them. And I'm like, listen, this is the design vision I have in mind. And this guy charges me like 2,500, you know, and he's like, this is what it is. I'm like, you know what? My budget's not there for that. I'm going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> so I go to someone else. And we have this whole talk. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They get started. I put a deposit down. And it just got to a point where the website never what? got done. <sighs> this Real talk. And it's because this is what I'll say. I have to be honest. In my head, I have a vision of what I see. But in somebody else's mind, they have their own interpretation of what I'm mm-hmm. describing. So there's a, there's a gap there. You know what I mean? And that's something that I, you know, I was frustrated with, but I also have to have an mm-hmm. understanding of, is that two different, two people can have different interpretations of the same yep. thing, you know? And it's... <laughs> I see that one all the time. Right. I mean, that I still have not really figured out, to be honest with Actually, you know what? I have to be honest. So with all that, the website never got done. I still have my host name and all that stuff, but... I, I pulled back because I couldn't find someone that aligned with the vision that I had. They couldn't see what I, I had in my head. And I feel like I couldn't relate it to them. Right. But I still don't want to have to be the one to go back and have to do it on my own. Like, like it doesn't, at least I, I feel like it doesn't make sense to do. So what I've realized for me, um, business wise, is that relationship and building a relationship is very fundamental. So it's, it's, it's for me not really about rushing into a business relationship, but it's more building the relationship. And over time, as you and I are getting to know each other, you know, 
we and we don't have to agree but the fact that we're getting to know each other getting acclimated to understand who each person is that's what helps to facilitate that strong business relationship so that, that i think that's been like one of the key things anybody comes to me and they want to do business i'm well i don't mind but how about we just really get to know each other and see how things go and how we grow in knowing each other before we take that next step so um that was one that was expensive <laughs> it was an expensive lesson for me you know um yeah yeah and i think i can I, I think i have one. some people i can connect you with so let's chat um afterwards but yeah, all right <laughs> yeah let's get that done for you and you know and i think what you said was is really key right everyone comes from a different like background and different experiences and so you know we could all like and we've seen like the examples where you know even on social media where they're like show a picture some people see it in different like it'll be like the shoes or the dress it's like oh one person sees yeah. it blue and yellow the other person sees it you're right you know red and white you're right and then even you know and that's just like just the eye and then if we think about experiences you know i could say um god bless you yeah. and then somebody might be feel feel offended by that you know you go to different cultures and you look in somebody's eyes that's so true there's just so many different layers to culture and experiences in life and it gets more and more granular each day and just recognizing that on you know sometimes what you say even though somebody hears it clear is crystal clear the way they interpret it based on their experience yeah. is it, it will be based on the lens Can of their be. experience right and you have to be um, open to that. I think another good lesson for me with, with that being said is also been um, spiritual. Like I'm huge. I was listening to a couple of your podcasts before. I think three or four last year. I say two, just four. And um, I remember hearing, I don't know if it was Rohan or the gentleman after him that was saying that he was huge on faith. And I was just like, it's true because um, entrepreneurship for me has really forced me to be honest with myself, honest with the relationships that I have with people, and then honest with the relationship I have with myself, and then also honest about like the d- dynamics of this relationship. Is this a fruitful relationship or is this a relationship that's just taking? Is it wasting time and being discerning, but discerning? You know what I mean? Um, I realize I'm very, um, I'm optimistic and sometimes a little idealistic. I mean, it's what makes me magical, but (laughs) from a business perspective, um, I also need to have a sense of practicality, you know, and I need to also understand like, you know, what is this thing, what it is, or is it not? And I need to be honest with myself. So I realized too, that through, through this entrepreneurship journey that I've had to be honest and like, I could not fluff stuff. I had to really call it as it is. And I have to really make, yeah, I have to make honest decisions about how I'm spending my time, who I'm spending my time with. And if it's actually a fruitful relationship, you know, um, I had to get out of my comfort zone and that's including with family as well. So it's a journey. <laughs> it is a journey. Thank you for sharing that. We're coming to the end of our episode. So, you know, to close it out, what piece of advice or homework or task would you like to tell the audience to, you know, implement, to do, to think about when they're on this journey of entrepreneurship, when they're launching their business, trying to grow it, just any piece of advice you'd want to leave with them? Okay. So I have two. <laughs> Go ahead. And I'll say the first one is that um, you follow your purpose. Um, and purpose is tied to how you're serving people. So, you know, if you haven't figured out what your purpose is, then take some time to really hone in on who you are and figure out what, what, what that is. Because um, at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is really hard and 
you, it's not lucrative for a, a while honestly speaking and sometimes depending on what your support looks like or lack thereof you might be the only one telling yourself to continue to move forward even though what you might see is bleak so it's really important that what you're doing aligns with your purpose and your value system so that you hold on to that and you could see what you're doing how you're serving people so i think that's like for me one of the important things um making sure that you know what your purpose is and you're serving people in that. The second thing is to be honest with yourself, with your relationships. You, your time is valuable and you don't have time to waste it. And you don't have time for people who are wasters of your time. <laughs> so um, have honest conversations with yourself about the relationships that you have and how you're utilizing them. All right. Thank you so, so much for being here with us, uh, Chanda. Sure, and then, you know, uh, guys, for how to reach out to her, the information will be in the show notes as well as the caption section if you're watching the video. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of Doing the Most of Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.